Who is this guy? I'm Batman. I'm Batman. You sound like Cookie Monster. I'm Batman. That's Batman. I'm Batman. Listen, I'm Batman. Oof, you even sound like a bad guy. I swear, I am a good guy. Okay, Mr. Batman. Batman? Batman. That's what I said, Batman. No, you're saying Batman. Uh, listen, I'm Batman. I'm Batman. I want you to tell all your friends about me. What are you? I'm Batman. This is the this Bat Pod. Bat Pod. Grab your bat microphone. It's time to start the show. Like a quarter of hours, the mystery is starting to grow. Let there be no debate. It's about to begin. Keen like Bruce Wayne, quick like Tim Drake, fierce like Damien. Grab your headphones, listen up. You know you love it. Drop the facade. Like the Dark Knight Detective, they've got some perspective. They're a pure crime fighting collective. It's the Bat Pod. Welcome to the Bat Pod. My name is Bill Beer, and joining me tonight, Jay Loving. Good evening, everyone. How's it going, sir? Going well. That's good. That's good. So tonight we have a special back issue show, since we haven't hit the era where there's more new Batman comics being released. So tonight we're going to do Batman 457 and Batman Judge Dread Judgment on Gotham. We're going to have a little topic of the week and of course, Stump the co-host. Yay. I knew you would be excited. I knew you would be excited. I should just surprise you and just not do any books and we just have keep doing Stump the co-host for an hour. <sighs> That'll be popular. (laughs) Let's go ahead and head to the books. The Bat Pod is a spoiler podcast. Please read the comics we're reviewing so you can enjoy the show. We are a proud member of the Nerdy Legion Podcast Network. Our first book is Batman 457. The title of this story is Master of Fear. Alan Grant is the writer. Norm Brayfogle, penciler. Steve Mitchell, inker. Adrian Royal, colorist. Edited by Dennis O'Neill. With a special thanks to Kevin Brayfogle, who I'm assuming is somehow related to Norm. In this story, that's coming off of a two-part story of the previous two issues, Scarecrow has abducted and incapacitated Batman and Vicky Vale on Christmas Eve and is now bent on giving himself a Christmas present by slowly driving the Batman mad. Meanwhile, Tim Drake, who is training to become the new Robin, defies Batman's orders and goes out after he deduces that this is probably the Scarecrow and that Batman is walking into a trap. He goes out without his Robin costume, which he doesn't feel he's earned the right to wear yet, and follows Batman, finds the Batmobile at a chemical warehouse where Scarecrow has been using this as a hideout. And we see Scarecrow 
trying out different fear toxins on Batman. First one, arachnid, which Batman imagines he's covered with spiders. Then trauma, where Batman relives his greatest fear from childhood, which obviously is the death of his parents. But we see Robin, Tim Drake, following up and being able to incapacitate some of the henchmen and actually overcome his own fears after being exposed to the fear toxin to rescue Batman. And at the end of the issue, we see him finally, his first appearance of Tim Drake as Robin in the Robin costume. So what did you think of this issue? This issue is a classic, classic Norm Brayfogle. If you haven't experienced Norm Brayfogle at all, this is one of the issues that I looked at, and I see his art right off the bat, and it makes me smile because there were so many issues during the time I was growing up that Norm Brayfogle had done, and this kind of brings back a lot of happy memories. But yeah, this is also some classic Scarecrow. I love to see, you know, he has the uh, spiders on Batman, or Batman thinks he's full of spiders and different things. And yeah, that I, I really like the way that Scarecrow is portrayed. And of course, you get the Robin costume at the end, which Norm Prefoy will help create. Yes, yes, it's different. And gone are the the silly green briefs that. Dick and Jason wore, so he's wearing a more of a solid costume. Plus, he's wearing black leggings, not just having bare legs. And this will change the Robin costume forever. Yes, it does. It never goes back. It, well, it never, I don't know. The idea of him wearing shorts, or they're shorter than shorts constantly. Yes. <laughs> I don't, I, I'm surprised that didn't get changed up a long time ago. Yeah. Because this is kind of, you know, this is early 90s here we're talking about. Yeah. And, yeah, this is just a classic issue. I mean, it's 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 a standalone story, but it's coming off of, they say, the two-parter before that, where Scarecrow was also involved. Yep. So it starts out with Batman already, you know, hanging by his feet upside down. And Vicky Vale, who had been investigating the thugs that Scarecrow had hired, and they captured her and brought her to Scarecrow, which he didn't really want them to do, but they did. So anyway, she didn't play much of a role in this issue other than, you know, somebody else to threaten, kind of used her to threaten Batman a little bit with. Yeah. But other than that, not a, not a huge role in the story. But yeah, as far as Brave Vogel art, classic. A good story where we get to see Robin or Tim Drake kind of... He thinks that he's given, he's ruined his chances of becoming Robin by disobeying Batman's orders and going out. In fact, he says that he goes, well, I realize now I'll never be Robin, but I've got to do this. And we get a good lesson at the end where Batman's talking to Tim saying, yes, as heroes, we have to set rules and obey them. But every once in a while, you have to play on a hunch. And if your hunch feels right, you can disobey the rules and the standards that we set for ourselves. So he actually congratulates him and tells him that he has saved his life. You know, he, he actually says, Vicky and I would be dead if not for you. So he reinforces Tim 
and what he's done. And, you know, this Tim's a little bit uh, reticent. He's not the confident Tim Drake that we see later in Batman, you know, who's, you know, the computer genius and like, so it's, it's a little bit different view of Rob, uh, Tim as Robin than you may have be used to. If you've only seen Tim in the last, you know, dozen years or so. Yeah, that's true. That's true. You see, you know, him starting out and you saw that whole progression through these, these books. You saw the progression of Tim from the very beginning. Right. Um, the one thing that I really like in here is, you know, you, you get the scarecrow in here, but you get a little flashback. And I like the coloring yes. choices of the flashback made like a red and kind of red hues and pinkish. And, you know, you have uh, Jonathan Crane there scaring birds. And that's, you know, he he loved the fear of scaring birds. And then it evolved when he was a professor and he was teaching a, a psych class and he pulled out a gun in class and he enjoyed how much, you know, the fear the fear is what he liked, and that kind of led to him being the scarecrow. And right, and it, always the villain is always telling you know your victim what you did or what you're going to do, <laughs> what you're going to do. Yes, <laughs> that happens a lot, but that's classic right there. Yeah, it is. Another thing I like you talk about the the flashbacks where after Tim had been exposed to the fear toxin and he's trying to overcome his fear. In his flashback hallucination, he sees two Robins, which are obviously Dick Grayson and Jason Todd, who are trying to help him through this, you know, talk him through his fear. And they tell him, you know, you can still be afraid and still act. Fear doesn't have to cripple you, which I think is a good message that they're trying to give him here, right. which he, he acts upon that. So. Yeah. Norm Brayfogel, you know, Batman's hanging upside down. He's sweating and the, the fear on his face. Ray Fogel had some f facial expressions. He could do the different facial expressions. And like when he's having the the nightmare of Joe Chill killing his parents, Joe Chill's face is just like a nightmare face. There's no... Right. It doesn't even look human. Exactly. But yeah, I love this issue. Yeah, that's a good one. I've talked a lot about it on this issue. Yeah. So that's why I chose it to finally talk about the story. Because it is a good, good little self-contained story. Yeah, that... But other than that, that's all I had. Okay, very good. So we'll go ahead and head to our topic of the week. To the Batmobile. Let's go. Atomic batteries to power. Turbines to speed. You're ready to move up. And welcome to Topic of the Week. And the topic this week is... Batman's worst love interests. Women that are, were were terrible. Batman fell in love or was interested in them, and they were just no good. And we're going to give our list of our top three worst love interests. And Jay, you can go first. What was your number three? Number three, this is pretty obscure, but it's Jaina Hudson, also known as White Rabbit. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> she was a Gotham socialite of Indian descent, and she met Bruce at a fundraiser, charity fundraiser, and they went out on a few dates. But he later discovered that she had this unique power to duplicate herself into two separate beings, you know, herself and the scantily clad uh, criminal white rabbit, who 
all worked against Batman and often led him to encounter other villains such as Joker and Bane. Interesting. I remember her from, you know, the New 52 Dark Knight series. Yes. She showed up briefly, but she definitely wasn't fleshed out there. But yeah, she's pretty bad. Pretty bad. So, my number three is none other than Natalia Knight, also known as Nocturna. And she was one of Batman's early 80s love interests. She was created by Doug Munch. She was a jewel thief who briefly adopted Jason Todd and knew that Bruce Wayne was Batman. She actually suffered from a rare disease of light sensitivity, and her skin was bleached white. And she used some kind of special narcotic as perfume, which caused every male to fall deeply in love with her. Batman was no exception. And the two of them started a relationship as they were both equally fascinated by the other. Eventually, Batman realized his love for Nocturna was an obsession caused by the drug, and he struggled to stop thinking about her. Nocturna actually disappeared during Crisis on Infinite Earths after being stabbed by her brother. So, she was a terrible love interest because he wasn't even really in love. <laughs> exactly. He thought he was. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I'll just go ahead and tell you that was Nocturna was my number two. Oh, okay. So that was regularly sound. Okay, you're number two. I guess I'll go with my number two then. My number two worst love interest is Talia Al Ghul, the daughter of Raz Al Ghul. And Talia's father, Raz, encouraged his daughter's relationship with the Dark Knight in hopes of recruiting Batman as a successor to his League of Assassins. And she's most notably as the mother of Damian Wayne. Uh, during their first encounters, Talia often showed a devotion to the Dark Knight as strong as the love for her father, often saving Batman, but always choosing to remain on her father's side. And after several encounters, you know, Bruce and Talia actually got together and uh, they had a son. But what did Batman learn from this? You should never sleep with a supervillain. She is not. She's my number two of bad romantic interests. Very good. I thought a lot about it, and in the end, I'll just go ahead and tell you, she uh, doesn't appear on my list at all. Because despite all of the grief and the problems that she's caused him, uh -huh. she actually really does care for him. And I think he does for her, too. And, like I say, um, it was unintentional, the spawning of Damien, but... I think Batman is, and Bruce is better off for having a son. I think it's made him a little more you know, able to have encounters with other people, be more emotionally open to other people. So. Well, that's a good point. I didn't think about it like that, but that's a good point. Well, that's, uh, she still easily could be on yeah, that Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Put her on my... So, okay. What was your number one worst... My number one... Love interest. Jezebel Jett, who was a wealthy woman. She's as a... African descent, she claims to be a uh, heiress to African royalty, which we don't really know if that's the case or not. She could easily be lying. But she is working with the Black Glove to destroy Bruce Wayne, and it all becomes part of the storyline leading up to Batman Rest in Peace. And she doesn't, I mean, she just does, treats him very badly, helps facilitate the Black Glove's, you know, slow tormenting and 
mental torment that they give on Bruce, which leads up to his apparent madness and in, in rest in peace. But she meets her end at the instruction of Talia al Ghul, by the way, who sends her fleet of man bats to, to, to kill her in her plane or attack her private jet, which they attack and cause it to crash. So, so what did Batman learn from this? Um, or what did we learn from this? We learned, yeah, when somebody wants to kill you, they're going to be one of the worst. <laughs> yes. That was actually my number one also, because I was thinking of all the different people, and I'm thinking, okay, the one woman that tries to murder you, yeah, she's going to be the worst compared to everybody else. Right. Like I said, Tally was bad, but she never would, never would ever try to kill Bruce because she loves him. But yeah, Jezebel is a mean woman. Yep, it was right from the beginning. It was all set up. That was a good story. Yes, it was. So yeah, that was our topic of the week. If you have anybody that we didn't mention you want to throw out there, go ahead let us know who your worst love interests of Batman are. We will go ahead and head to our next book. Come on, Robin. To the Batcave. We haven't one moment to lose. Our next book tonight is Batman Judge Dread, Judgment on Gotham. Cover date is December 1991. Your writers are Alan Grant and John Wagner. Artist, Simon Bisley. Letter, Todd Collins. And colorist, Simon Bisley. In this issue, Judge Death makes a dimensional jump to Gotham City, murdering two lovers and a police officer. Batman shows up on the scene and he defeats Death, who flees in a spirit form. Among his remains of his host body, Batman finds a dimensional jump belt that he accidentally activates, and it transports him to Mega City 1. There, Batman is confronted by the Mean Machine Angel, and as Mean Machine attacks Batman, they are both confronted by Judge Dredd. Mean Machine heads to Gotham using the belt, then wanders into the city looking for Judge Death. Back in Mega City 1, Dredd arrests Batman for possession of illegal weapons the contents of his utility belt, and accuses him of vigilanteism. Batman is frustrated at his inability to explain himself to Dredd until telepath Judge Anderson scans Batman's mind to ensure that death is not hiding in his brain and explains death's nature and motives to Batman. Batman insists on returning to Gotham immediately and as Dredd insists on Batman first serving a 20-year sentence for his crime. Batman ends up breaking his bond and punches Dredd before being subdued by some other judges. Judge Anderson breaks Batman out of custody and drives him to a functioning dimensional gate to head to Gotham, and Dredd follows after them. In Gotham, Batman's enemy Scarecrow and his henchmen break into the morgue to steal some raw materials for his fear toxin. He's promised a feast of fear in exchange. The Scarecrow becomes partners with Judge Death. Death gains a physical body as he attempts to turn on Scarecrow, who stops him with a dose of fear toxin, exposing Death to visions of cute and fluffy bunnies and my little ponies. And he directs him to a heavy metal concert featuring a band called Living Death. Mean Machine demolishes a bar and is directed to that same concert. 
and Death Slaughter's the heavy metal band Batman, Anderson, and Dredd appear on the scene in the battle that follows. Death is on the verge of killing Dredd when Batman destroys his physical body while Anderson imprisoned his spirit in her mind. Mean Machine is stuck in a berserk frenzy that demolishes the stage and is subdued after a pinpoint shot from Dredd destroying his mood-controlling dial on his head. And Scarecrow is likewise captured. Dread prepares to take Anderson and Mean Machine back to Mega City 1, and insists Batman comes along to complete his sentence. They are close to blows when Anderson persuades Dread to drop the charges against Batman, especially since she warns a death must be delivered to a proper containment unit before he successfully breaks free from her mind. And as they depart, Dread admits that Batman is a bit of a tough guy, implying that he may have a small amount of respect. So, this is a book I haven't read in over 25 years. The art on this is the first thing you will notice. And the art, Simon Bisley did a lot of art on Lobo. And you can tell it's it's very exaggerated. He's got the exaggerated ears, over-exaggerated muscles. The art is almost like a painted style. Because the backgrounds are, aren't just one color, they're kind of a mixture of colors. Right. It, it basically looks like a horror movie. It makes the Judge Death look like a horror character. And Mean Machine, in this book, has a dowel on his head that changes. And I don't know how it changes, if he, he just makes it change or whatever. But he can go to, like, mellow to, like, super angry. And where the towel is, that's that's what mood he's in. So, what did you think of this particular book? I am so glad you chose this because I have had no exposure to it at all. I've never really been into Judge Dredd. Maybe I'm that's because of the what I consider a really bad Stallone film of the mid '90s. Oh, come on! <laughs> I did not like that film. Anyway, but I've never. Hey, this is my first exposure to it, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. I mean, it was just. Really good story, and like you said, the artwork was just sublime. I could not get over how good it was. Um, some of the things he chose to do, like the Batmobile, the tail fins of the Batmobile, shaped like bat wings. Oh, yeah, they're all exaggerated. The style of the artwork is, it varies. It's kind of abstracted in a lot of places, but then more representational. The person it put me in mind of, if you're trying to think of comparisons sam keith yes who did the max and then batman the max it was very reminiscent of his style of artwork so if you've if you're listening and you've seen some of his artwork that's what it reminded me of but it was definitely a painted style and you know the complex backgrounds really enhanced the story so yeah it was just damn good story damn good now one of my favorite pages and it's a whole page is when anderson looks into batman's mind and she sees all the different, and there's a, a version of Catwoman like you've never seen before. Yeah. You got the Joker, looks like a clay face, you know, man bat, I would assume. Yes. Uh, his parents getting shot. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's extremely complex. You have to, yeah. it, you can spend several minutes just looking at that page trying to yeah. decipher it out. But it's, yeah, extremely well done. Yeah. And he has these long ears that you see in other artists, like, you know, Kelly Jones. Kelly Jones, yeah. 
reminiscent of that. So, but like I say, above all, the story and the artwork are both real good. I got this off the collection off of Comixology, but I'm going to try to find this in print because I want this because yeah. of this artwork. Yeah. So I've got to find the print version of this somewhere. I have it in trade, and yeah, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. I don't know what how the colors translate to uh, you know digital, but I hope they kept the aspect of the colors and and that sort of thing. They didn't change too much because. It's really great in this original form. Right. And this was actually my first introduction to Judge Dredd. And I think that's that's why they put characters together like this to introduce, you know, other characters that people weren't reading because everybody reads Batman. So it, right. it seems like an interesting character is Judge Jury and Executioner type of thing. I guess it's like a futuristic world, his world, where... There's like millions and millions of people in this mega city one, and everything else is like a toxic wasteland. So, and it's a futuristic looking world. You don't have like buildings like in Gotham City. It's very futuristic looking, and they have like robots and to do things and different things. Exactly. That being said, I don't have very much experience uh, reading anything Judge Dredd besides the two movies I did see the second movie called Dread that was pretty interesting. And who doesn't like Rob Schneider? Come on. Um, <laughs> no comment. <laughs> but yeah, the, the next in this trade that I have is Batman's Judge Dread collection. And the next book in there is called Vendetta in Gotham. And that yes. has some nice looking artwork in there too. And there's another book in there that's been painted it's the ultimate riddle and the art is kind of a painted sort of the same way um but different different there's not his his cow isn't exaggerated as it was initially but but it's the same sort of thing it's kind of dark kind of you know uh, facial expressions they're like overdone and right i really enjoyed several of these that are in here so Yes, those are all included in the digital version. I just haven't taken the opportunity to read oh, okay. them or look at them yeah. yet. So. Anything else you want to add on this particular one? No, other than go get this and read it. Find it some way. You will enjoy it. Yeah, sure. absolutely. And all a Batman fan, and especially if you're a Judge Dredd fan, you will like them as well. Yep, I agree. So now, it's the time you've all been waiting for. Let's head to Stump the Co-Host. <laughs> It's time for the BatPod Stump the Co-Host segment. Welcome to Stump the Co-Host. And on Stump the Co-Host, I try to stump my co-host, of course, and he can win cash and prizes. And you know, Jay wants to win the cash and prizes. So we always have a theme on Stump the Co-Host. And this week, it is Batman's love interests, of course. So I hope you're familiar with somebody, some of Batman's love interests there. It sounds like you are, since we had our topic of the week on the worst ones. A few, yes. Our first question. Talia al Ghul is one of Batman's love interests, and she said what following quote? And I'm going to read each quote, and you're going to tell me which quote Talia al Ghul said. Okay. Is it A, it is true, you know? There is no man your equal. Therefore, 
you are the only man I can love. B. You and me, two orphans lost, who seek the weak in one another. C. You puzzle me, Bruce. Sometimes I wonder if you're really the socialite playboy you pretend to be. And D. Bruce, you're not all alone anymore. Not as long as I'm around. Taoyao Ghoul. Well, I know that she has said this in principle more than once, but I don't know if it's exact quote, but I'm going to go with A. A. It is true, you know, there's no man you're equal, therefore you're the only man I can love, was said by Taoyao Ghoul. So, got one correct. The You and Me, Two yes. Orphans Lost, was said by Catwoman. You Puzzle Me, Bruce, was said by Vicky Vale. And Bruce, you're not alone anymore, not as long as I'm around, was Julie Madison. So our next question. Which one of these Batman love interests have never shown up in the live-action movies? A. Dr. Chase Meridian. B. Julie Madison. C. Vicky Vale. Or D. Jezebel Jett. D. Jezebel Jett. That is correct. That is correct. Dr. Chase Meridian was Batman Forever. Julie Madison was your favorite Batman and Robin. And Vicky Vale, of course, <laughs> was Batman. So, yeah, you won the cash and prizes. How excited are you, really? Yay. You sound very excited. I am just beside myself. And would you like to know what you won? Well, of course I would. You've won a trip to Gotham City and free entry to Gotham City Museum. You get to see the history of Gotham, the history of the world. Fun day, a fun time. You can bring a friend, bring your wife, bring whoever you want. Unfortunately, the curator at this museum is Maximilian Zeus, also known as Maxi Zeus, so... Sometimes he goes a little crazy, kills some people at the museum, so hopefully you go there on a good day. Not a bad one. Well, that's just exciting. See how excited he is? He's that excited. Yes, I'm speechless. I'm without words. <laughs> topic of the week there. That's not topic of the week. <laughs> it's Stump the Coho. <laughs> You're distracting me because you thought it was so funny. Uh, okay. What can I say? Okay, so... We'll go ahead and wrap it up here. If you'd like to contact us and be part of the Bat Pod, our email is batpodpodcast at gmail.com. Our Twitter is at pod underscore bat. If you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, please consider giving us a review. We'd really appreciate it. Lastly, a big thank you to those who have liked and retweeted the show on Twitter or Facebook. People need dramatic examples to shake them out of apathy and I can't do that as Bruce Wayne as a man I'm flesh and blood I can be ignored I can be destroyed but as a symbol as a symbol I can be incorruptible I can be everlasting what symbol? something elemental something terrifying I think it's been a lot of fun doing these old issues these back issues it's a little different from what we had been doing even though you know it's fun doing the current issues and that sort of thing but it's fun to we might throw in some back issues here and there just to to go over because I enjoy reading them and researching to see which ones I'd like to pick out so 
I do too, and I, w I would like to do that occasionally, just throwing yeah, some was, pack I'm, issues. I'm thinking that maybe when Batman Detective come back, we do like a third issue, unless because Detective's like once a month, we throw in like a third issue that's a back issue. Works for me. That would be interesting. There's so much stuff out there. Well, yes, 80 plus years. Yep, of... yep. I can't get over how good this artwork is in this trade. Yeah, I've really got to find the trade because I'm curious. Because like I say, sometimes they enhance the color or the color doesn't translate the same into digital as print. So I want to get that print version to see if it still is yeah. Yeah. amazing as it looked like. And I mean, it's on good paper. I, I think originally that was, you know, one of these prestige formats back in right. the early 90s. So it was on better paper. But I think, at least for this trade, they took the original coloring and everything and didn't enhance anything. So nice. That's the only thing I don't like. Sometimes you get these trades of books from years ago and they recolor it. Yes. Don't have it in their original form. But I don't usually don't care for that type of thing. Right. Okay, we'll go ahead and head out of here. Until next time. Same bat time. Same bet channel. We will see you later. <laughs>